I do believe that if we miss this opportunity to expand these courts and put them within reach of the veterans who need them, we miss a huge opportunity and we lose lives. And we and, and I don't say that figuratively. I, I, I mean that literally. We lose lives. Well, that is Melissa Fitzgerald. My name is Eddie Koffeltz, and this is The New Activist. It is great to be here with you. Moment of honesty together. Um, Part of, a huge part of this show is exposing all of us to areas of activism, justice, injustice that we may not be aware of. And for me, a huge area that I just don't really understand is the life of veterans, people that have served in the armed forces and then come home. Um, I don't have a lot of friends that have served not a lot of people in my family have served. And so it's just a, an area that I was not really familiar with until one day I saw a video posted online. Parenthetically, I am a huge West Wing fan and I listen to the West Wing weekly podcast <laughs> that talks about this TV show. I mean, I really love the West Wing. Anyhow, in one of the Facebook circles that I'm in, someone posted a video and it said West Wing cast reunion and they had reunited to talk about this organization called Justice for Vets. And one of the people in the cast of the West Wing who had reunited is named Melissa Fitzgerald, our guest this week. And she and Dulé Hill and Allison Janney and Martin Sheen, President Bartlett, among many others, shared some just incredible statistics about what life looks like for some veterans who return home. Here is a clip from that actual YouTube video that I saw. Tragically, hundreds of thousands of our veterans are suffering from the trauma of war. Without assistance, the downward spiral can be quick and destructive. An average of 22 veterans take their own lives every day. It doesn't have to be this way. At Justice for Vets, we believe that every veteran should have the opportunity for treatment and restoration. That is why Justice for Vets has been working to establish veterans' treatment courts across the nation. Instead of allowing our veterans to languish behind bars, these courts connect veterans to the treatment they need, the services they've earned, the support they deserve. So that video piqued my interest, and as I learned more, I realized that Melissa Fitzgerald, who was on the West Wing cast, actually left acting, moved to Washington, D.C., and now leads this organization, Justice for Vets. She has a fascinating story, but first I asked her just a real fundamental question, which maybe you already knew, but I I needed to know. What is Justice for Vets? Why Justice for Vets at all? We champion veterans treatment courts and veterans treatment courts are alternatives to incarceration for veterans who struggle with the transition home, get in trouble with the law, um, with a substance use disorder, mental health condition, dealing with trauma, they can have treatment instead of incarceration. Hmm. And um, it's an interdisciplinary court team, uh, which includes the judge, the prosecutor, defense, uh, mental health care provider, representative from the VA. The Veterans Justice Outreach Program is a remarkable program out of the VA. Um, and uh, the, the court interdisciplinary court team is led by the judge, and they are specially trained, hopefully by justice for vets, and uh, to assess and treat the veterans who appear before them. What's the scope of, like, how many people are we talking about that, that this affects? 
That's a great question. And I'm very excited to give you the answer because uh, this year, I mean, last year alone, 15,000 veterans who would otherwise be incarcerated received life-saving treatment in veterans treatment courts across the country. And what's so exciting is the very first veterans treatment court was started in 2008 by a remarkable judge in Buffalo, New York, Judge Robert Russell, who was a drug court judge and a mental health court judge and saw a need in his courtroom. Um, And he launched the first veterans treatment court in 2008. And today there are well over 300 veterans treatment courts around the country. They're spreading like wildfire. And the reason is because they work. Okay. 15,000 is a staggering number. I, I like, I was not prepared for that many veterans that are, that, that are needing this, the services of justice for vets. Like what would be their story if there wasn't this kind of treatment court and this way to kind of help help them in this rehabilitation effort? Like what would be happening to them? When I first started, I went to many veterans treatment courts to learn and to meet some of the participants. And one of the very first ones that I went to, the judge, um, he said, um, I would like to invite everyone back to my chambers after, after court today for cake and refreshments to celebrate Veterans Day. And oh. I went back into his chambers and there was, you know, there was food or pizza. And, um, I felt like I was at a family party. Hmm. There's the probation officer is there talking and showing pictures of their family, of their children. How's this how talking about books and recommending this. And it really just felt like a family party. When you think about, it, you've got police officers, you've got a judge, you've got yeah. the, the assistant district attorney, you've got the defense counsel. These are non-adversarial programs. Hmm. I mean, they are these are they are working together um, and and the results are remarkable. And one young man came up to me and said, you know, because he knew that I was just starting at Justice for Vets. And he said, can I have your card? And he said, well, I just this court saved my life and I want to help you because I want to make sure every single veteran has the same chance that I got. You know, he after 9-11, he signed up to serve in Iraq Um And when he returned home, he was struggling. He said, you know, he said, now looking back on it, clearly I had PTSD, but I didn't realize it. He said, I just couldn't be in a room without my back being up against a wall. I would jump at any loud noise. I would wake up in the middle of the night screaming. I couldn't even get into bed without 20 beers in me. Um, He said, I lost my job. I got kicked out of where I was living. My girlfriend broke up with me and he said, you know, one night I walked into a bar and when I woke up, I was behind bars. And uh, he, I think he became the first participant in this one particular veterans treatment court. And the court coordinator had, you know, presented this opportunity to participate and and he accepted the opportunity because that's also an important part of it. This is not forced upon anyone. Yeah. Students have to want to do it. They don't have to do it. And so he went into this veterans treatment court program and he said it was just remarkable. The judge thanked me for my service. Hmm. The courtroom. Yeah. He he thanked me for my service. He called me by my name. And he said I I it was a remarkable experience for him, I think, and and unexpected in a courtroom. You know, he said the judge ordered me to get uh, you know, uh, treatment through the VA for, um, alcohol, then for also for 
uh, PTSD. So he went through pretty intensive treatment for quite a while. Um, he uh, said, <laughs> it was one, I thought really beautiful story. He told me, he said, you know, do you see that ceramic eagle sitting on the bench by the judge? And I said, yeah. He goes, well, one day the judge ordered me to take ceramics as part huh. of my treatment through the VA. And, you know, and, and, and he looked, you know, like a tough guy guy. And he, he said, do I look like the kind of guy who would take ceramics? And I'm like, I don't know. He goes, but I trusted the judge. I believed in him. I, you know, gave it my all. And he said, and it really helped. And he said, and I made that eagle for the judge. And that eagle represents freedom. He said, and every single day, men and women put their lives on the line hmm. so that everyone can have freedom. And this courtroom gave me the chance to fight for my own freedom. Oh, gosh. All right. So as I'm, I'm thinking about the scope of the work you're doing, I, I have to say I found out about it because when people see you on the street, they don't necessarily call you Melissa Fitzgerald, do they? <laughs> what, do, what do they call you? <laughs> they often call me Carol. Carol, because <laughs> you... The dry cleaner this morning when I was doing No. <laughs> did, somebody, did somebody do it? Did somebody say, like, oh, you're Wait, Carol? Someone came running uh, after me to my car, and she said, did you play Carol on the West Wing? And I said, I did. And she yes. said, we knew it. We knew it. We knew it. Carol on the West Wing. So Carol on the West Wing, one of the great characters of the West Wing TV show. You were on all seven seasons, right? From Bar <laughs> Bartlett to Santos. You made it through the whole thing. <laughs> I did. That's right. You did it. And you were you worked with Allison Janney, whose character was CJ Craig, and the two of you were basically best friends and were always on screen together. And she is as wonderful a person as she is an actor. And I and and that is saying a lot. <laughs> okay. You are like a like a famous actor. Like you like you've got a career. You're acting. You're on people are calling you Carol when you pick up dry cleaning. Like this is I, and I thought that when you went to work for Justice for Vets, I originally thought it was sort of a like as a spokesperson, which I guess you are. Everybody at Justice for Vets speaks for Justice for Vets, right? But like, mm -hmm. you you actually have like <laughs> like an office and fluorescent lighting and a computer and things. <laughs> like you work at Justice for Vets. Tell me I about do. that transition because that's a big that's a big move in a lot of ways. Yeah, it was a really big move um, and one that I would only make for something that I truly believe in and care about and am, uh, you know, willing to, to, to put all of myself into because I do believe in what we're doing and traveling around the country and meeting the men and women who are benefiting, you know, the men and women we serve actually, um, is really an inspiration and I feel very fortunate to get to do this. Um, and yeah, it's a very big life change. And I think the hardest thing, well, there are a lot of, there were a lot of hard things for me about it. Um, I was in Los Angeles for over 20 years, so my life was there. Um, my friends are there. Um, my routine is there. My home was there. Everything was there. And, um, I went from that and having, sort of a life that I really did enjoy in so many ways and, and having hiking right there and a lot of outdoor activities and, um, to moving to another really great place, but it was a different place, Alexandria, Virginia, um, where our office is right outside of DC and, and going to an office every day and filling out a timesheet and, um, you know, two weeks vacation, just like a very different lifestyle. 
and it's a, it was a it was a strange um, it was a strange transition to make so much later in life. We are going to hear more of Melissa's story in a moment, but wanted to pause for a second to remind you that The New Activist is presented by International Justice Mission. IJM is working to end slavery in our lifetime and won't stop until all are free. I love that that's our slogan. I love that we get to say that and that we get to engage in that work together. To that end, a lot of people ask me what they can do to be involved with IJM. In fact, and this wasn't a setup, I got a DM today on Twitter that said, Hey, Eddie, what's up, man? It feels weird reading someone else's. Uh, anyway, I'll keep going. Said, fan of the new activist and IJM, and we're really passionate about getting involved, but don't really know where to start. We are limited with what we can do financially. There's a lot of school debt to be paid off. And he continues on by just saying, like, what can go-getting intelligent people do to help? And to that, I would say there are a million little things that you can do. Um, you can pray. You can give when you can give. You can volunteer. You can come to work with us. But right now, there is something specific that I would ask everyone to do. And I, I'm afraid that it's such an easy ask that people won't think it matters. But it actually matters more than you will possibly know. And that is you can hop online, go to newactivist.is forward slash IJM and take just a moment to fill out this form that generates a letter. And this letter will go to our elected officials and we'll ask them to fully fund the End Modern Slavery Initiative, which is a gigantic effort, multinational effort, that is going to really fund the end of slavery in a way that has never been done before. It's incredibly important. And if you are able to take 18 seconds of your life Go to newactivist.is forward slash IJM and fill out that letter. That would be a great next thing that you can do. Here is the second half of the conversation that I got to have with Melissa Fitzgerald. So I, I, uh, I think that when people listen to this, they resonate with that because so much of what it takes to do the work that we feel passionate about. Like there's a, there's going to be a cost to it. You know, it may take us moving across the country or moving around the world or giving up something. I'm curious for you, just like, I mean, I, I hear what, what would have been, what could be hard about it and hear why you did it. But as you were really sitting in that decision, what was, what was your mindset like? And what was it what, what was the counsel that you got from people that you love? And how do you go through walking through a, a really big decision like that? You know, I am somebody who makes a lot of decisions from my heart. I uh, usually bring my head along eventually, but <laughs> yeah, right, right, right. Eventually, but I, I definitely made a decision from my heart, and I think it was the right decision. Um, but it was certainly one from my heart. I um, and wasn't something I was planning on doing or uh, anything like that. And um, and and you know, it's funny when when I first started, I said, "Well, why did you say yes?" And I said, "It just it made my heart sing." Mm. And I also felt that, and and I still do believe this, we have a specific moment in time and we are at a point in our nation's history where we have to decide how we are going to respect and treat our veterans. And 
I do believe that if we miss this opportunity to expand these courts and put them within reach of the veterans who need them, we miss a huge opportunity and we lose lives. And we and, and I don't say that figuratively. I, I, I mean that literally. We lose lives and there's no time to waste to get these courts up and running and up and running well and well-trained courts. And I wanted to do I wanted to be part of that and and do my small part to to help spread these courts um, to the people who need them in the places where they are needed. And um, I felt like if I waited two years until the time was right, like when I actually did start actually thinking about it, um, I didn't think I could live with myself if I had waited. I'm like, this is the time. This is now. And I do feel an urgency still. Well, I I respect that a lot. I, I rarely inject much of my own uh, kind of commentary into the show. But, uh, you know, I know I have friends that are actors and their goal in life is just to be able to pay their rent through acting. But to be able to be a successful actor who is known is like, you know, like winning the lottery of acting. And so for you to be able to trust your heart and go, no, we've, there's a problem and I, I can help fix this. You know, I can, you could have said nothing when you heard about, you know, when you said, oh, I could throw my hat in the ring for this, you could have done nothing. But the fact that you did that is really, uh, it's very brave. Did you feel brave? Uh, no. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I think, you know, I think also when you think about the, the sacrifice and the service that the men and women we serve in veterans treatment courts have made to this country, I feel like this is such a small, small way that I can participate in acknowledging their remarkable sacrifice and service. And I think if there's something that, I mean, there's so many things that I've learned from the men and women we serve and the veterans that participate in the veterans treatment courts, the veterans that graduate from the, from the veterans treatment courts, and also the veterans who volunteer to be mentors, um, is that they really are of service for their whole lives. And they do believe in something bigger than themselves and they are willing to put everything on the line for that. And, um, they have also been men and women that I can count on. Um, and just, I I have, they are really of the finest men and women I've ever met in my life. Mm. And they inspire me every single day. And I do feel like this is the least that I can do. Hmm. Um, a few, a few things. I, when people hear about justice for vets, um, I know that a lot of people like their, their bell will be rung by this and they're going to want to get involved. Yet the thinking may be, well, I'm not a lawyer. I, I not involved in the court system. I've never been in a court. I'm 23 years old. Like how could I possibly get involved in the story of these 15,000 people that, um, that, that, that we want to, we want to care for, we want to walk with in their journey. What would, what would you say would be good next steps for us in, in engaging with the work of justice for vets? Well, I would say the first thing would be to go onto the website and learn about, um, what we do, how we do it. And, and also you'll see a lot of, there's a lot of video content up on the website too. And you can hear from some of the, participants and graduates of veterans treatment courts, you can hear their stories. Um, 
and um, there there's yeah there's video content. There's also a lot of written material up on our website, and there's an opportunity to sign up to get email alerts and email blasts that will send more of those stories your way and and stories that are from all over the country, maybe not from the bigger cities, but but from all over different parts of the country, and you'll hear stories. Um, and I would say that's a really great first step, and then. Um, there will be opportunities to, I mean, advocate, I don't know if that's the right word, but to participate in, you know, find out if there's a veterans treatment court in your area. And if there isn't one, uh, find out why and see if you can make one happen or not even find out why, try and make one happen. (laughs) Talk to your elected officials. Yeah. So is that how it works? I mean, you would call your elected official and just, I mean, are they accessible like that? Yeah, I've, I've, in my past life, have found them to be very accessible. Yeah. Yes, um, and uh, you know, I think that there is educate, educate your community about veterans treatment courts, and um, and go visit a veterans treatment court if you can. They are incredible. Um, you know, they are obviously it's in a courtroom. It's a it's part of the the, the justice system, and right. I, and I think it is a these these. Treatment courts are a bright, a, a beautiful, bright spot in the criminal justice system, and um, they are obviously places of strict accountability. Public safety is still the most important, but in addition to that, they are also truly places of hope and places of healing. And watching people get their lives back, I think, is one of the most beautiful things that you know I've had the the opportunity to witness. Well, I hope that was as helpful for you as it was for me. I'm guessing it was. I am grateful for Melissa and the work that she is doing with Justice for Vets, grateful that she shared her story with us, and grateful that we can now take a next step and learn more and help and maybe even get involved. A good place to start would be the Justice for Vets website, justiceforvets.org. You can find a bunch of good information and a bunch of places that you can go to learn even more about the life of veterans when they come home and how we can intersect with their story. You can also find more about Senior Director Melissa Fitzgerald on her Twitter Page Maffy Fitz, <laughs> M-A-F-F-Y-F-I-T-Z. She's very active on Twitter and fantastic, and you can chat with her. A very special thanks to Brilliance Music. Love their music. The song that you're listening to now is Brother by Them, and they have very kindly scored the new activist for this season. To learn more about their music, where they're at, where you can see them live, go to thebrilliancemusic.com. A reminder that this show is presented by IJM. Please do go and sign that letter. It matters a great deal. You can go to newactivist.is forward slash IJM. And finally, we are on social media. As if you haven't gotten enough websites already, (laughs) here's even more. Uh, We are on social media. New Activist is, that's everything. One word, New Activist, I-S. Social media, Facebook, Twitter, all of that good stuff. Would love to chat with you throughout the week. Love to hear if you signed the letter. Love to hear what you thought about the interview today. With that, 
We go back into the world on behalf of Melissa Fitzgerald and my colleagues at Relevant Podcast Network, as well as IJM, I am Eddie Koffeltz. Take care, friends. When I look into the face of my enemy, I see my brother, I see my brother. Thank you for listening to the New Activist Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe and leave us a review on iTunes. And for more relevant podcast network shows, check out the podcast section at relevantmagazine.com.